Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. All right. God is so good, isn't he? Well, I'm glad to be here again. My name is Brandon Holler, and uh, I am the husband of one wife. I don't know why you'd want more than that, but I have one wife. And uh, we have been married this month 22 years, and we have four kids. And, uh, yeah, uh, my oldest is 21. I know I don't look that old, but she is. She, I have no, I've had no work done either. Uh, but uh, she, uh, my oldest is 21, and then we have uh, our son just turned 18, just graduated high school, and then I have beautiful Naomi, who's 15, and Macy, who's 11, and she's the boss. So we all just do what she says. Uh, but I'm glad to be here. It really is a privilege to uh, be with you uh, this morning, and I'm honored to call Brian and Crystal Sparks my friends. You know, in, in I, I've got the kind of personality that I don't make friends real easy, so it helped that our dads were friends because we were just kind of forced into it. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I'm glad. What a privilege. Thank you, Pastor Brian. I, I'm, I'm honored. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I, I, just, I just want to remind you of a very simple, simple truth today. Now, I, I like to laugh a little bit, so are you all okay with laughing? Yeah. I, I, I came up as a little kid in, in a, kind of a real strict church, and, and my grandma, she came to hear me preach one time, and she told me, she said, Brandon, this is not a comedy show. You shouldn't be laughing like that in church. <laughs> well, Grandma, don't come back. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm just playing. I'm not that mean. I'm not that mean. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I'm going to read one verse of Scripture, and then we'll pray, okay? Hebrews 10, verse 23. I use a New King James Bible. I don't know. All right. All right. My dad's old school King James. He says this is the Toys R Us version. Well, I like Toys R Us, so we'll go with this. Hebrews 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Lord, we love you today. We thank you, Lord, for this moment that we can come together and worship you and celebrate our King Jesus. We came here today to to worship. We came to give. We came to serve. We came to hear your word. We came to fellowship. And Lord, I believe that at every one of these points, you're meeting us in a supernatural way for our lives to be changed. Lord, we didn't come to just have church as a, as a tradition or a routine, but we came to have an encounter with you. And so we say, as the prophet Samuel said, we say, speak, Lord, we're listening. Speak to us. Transform us and change us today more into who you want us to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now, would you just turn to your neighbor and tell them how pretty they are? Say something nice to them. Say your teeth. Now, if you don't know them, don't touch them. That's weird. Just, just say hi. Just be... Uh. <laughs> This verse of scripture here says that we can hold fast to our confession of hope because God is faithful. The word hope is a, is a Greek word that means an, an expectation of good. 
So it's a positive expectation. So this says, hold on to your confession of a positive expectation because God is faithful. I'm so glad today to know that I don't hold on to a positive expectation because I'm something. We're holding on to a positive expectation because God is faithful. Amen. Hope is a wonderful thing. We ought to all be hope dealers. Giving hope everywhere that we go. What does it cost us? Really, it doesn't cost us anything, does it? It doesn't cost us anything. As I said, uh, my wife and I, we, um, <clears throat> we have four kids. And, 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 I, and I know that with, with my jacket on and my little pocket thing here, I don't look like a redneck, but I am. And um, I come from red. Anybody with me? Come on, come on help me out. All right. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm southern Oklahoma redneck. Okay? So... Uh, <laughs> I, I had to leave town to get married. You know what I mean? And there's some people that don't. <laughs> and so they're, they're missing teeth and all that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, and my wife is gorgeous and Hispanic. And, and so that, that means that my kids, that means that my kids are confused. And uh, they, uh, my kids always ask us, what, what are we, mom, dad? What do we call ourselves? I'm like, khaki. I don't know. Well, I don't know what you call yourself, but... One time we were, we were up visiting, visiting my, my family in, in Oklahoma. And um, <clears throat> now, like I said, they're, they're, they're rednecks. They're proud of being rednecks. And there's different kind of rednecks. You know, you got the good old boy redneck that'll help you to help you do anything. Is that anybody in here? They just, they just help you do anything. And then there's the prison redneck. <clears throat> That's awesome. <laughs> That's kind of uh, my family. And um, so, uh, and, and they're proud of it too. It's awesome. It's awesome. Listen, we all got family. We need them. We need all kinds, right? And so, so we're there at my at my at my grandmother's house, and and uh, my kids are just taken back by everything that's going on. All of their senses are being violated by all of these <laughs> rednecks. And and my, my my oldest daughter, we get in the car to leave, and she said, "Dad, I figured out what we are." I said, "Okay, what are you?" She said, "Well, you're redneck. Mom's Mexican, so that makes us rednexicans." <laughs> so, it works. It works for them. They owned it. They're pretty proud of it. <clears throat> like I say, it's an unusual family that, that, that we come from. And, and one time we were up there for Thanksgiving. And, and so I was standing outside my grandma's house talking to my grandma's boyfriend. And um, <laughs> y'all's grandma don't have boyfriends? Uh, his name's Jim. I'm talking to my grandma's boyfriend, Jim. And, um, and I look out in the front yard and there's a, there's a piece of junk car sitting in the front yard with gr- weeds growing all around it, you know, cause any good redneck knows if you're a legitimate redneck, you have a wrecked car in your front yard. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you, you ever, you ever heard the phrase that, that car looks like it needs to be driven off a cliff. Yeah. This one looked like it had been, I mean, it, it already, that already happened and it's sitting there. And, and I, so I'm standing there talking to Jim and I said, Jim, Jim, what do you, what do you got there? Man, he bowed up. He said, well, that's a 1963 Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> wow. It's awesome, Jim. I said, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to fix it up. It's got all the parts. You know, fenders are missing, but they're inside, in the seats. You know, he's like, it's got all the parts. I'm like, yeah, but the parts are in the wrong place, Jim. And then he says to me, he says, Brandon, can you believe 
people were going to throw that car away. I said, I'm shocked, Jim. I'm shocked. He said, I told him, man, don't throw that thing. That thing's in way too good a shape to throw away. All of us in, in our experiences and you and your experiences have had times where others looked at your life and said, it's no good anymore. It's worthless. It needs to be thrown away. No recovery. But you have a God in heaven who looked down and said, I know what everybody else is saying, but man, you're in way too good a shape to throw away. You're in way too good a shape. Yeah. See, God has a hope for you. He has a positive expectation of good for your life. Actually, the Bible says that Jesus is our high priest of good things to come. God has a, God has a hope for you. You might as well get hope in your heart. It's time, it's time to, 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 to lay aside all of, the, all of the shortcomings and failures and say, you know what, I'm just going to believe that tomorrow's going to be better than today. And I'm here to tell you something, and I, and I, and I believe I'm saying this by, inspired by the Spirit of the Lord. Everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. You have the King of kings and the Lord of lords on your side. Everything is going to be okay. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going I know, I know, I know. But you don't know what I've been through either. And I have found consistently everything turns out all right. If you just keep putting your head down. And walking it out, baby. It'll work out. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. The word deferred just simply means delayed. We have a hope and something good. We're wanting something good. And it's just not happening in the time that we wish that it would happen. And the heart starts to hurt over that. But the Bible says when the desire comes, then it's the tree of life. But it's during that process of when hope has been deferred that we actually have to get the loudest about our hope. Come on. Yeah, come on. When hope is delayed, that's when we, we have to start getting vocal with it and start talking these positive things and get these things in our mouth. The, in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 here, it goes further on, and it says, though it wait, wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it'll come. And then he makes this amazing statement. Now, I don't know if you've got a hold of this, but I hope before today's done, you'll get a hold of this. The Bible says we're not the kind that draws back. That's not us. But we're the kind that believes. That means that when trouble comes and hope gets deferred and the delay is happening, we're not the kind. It's not even in us anymore to quit. It's not in us anymore to draw back. It's not in us anymore to turn around and walk back the way that we came. It's only in us to believe. When you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, you became a brand new creation. Old things were passed away and all things became brand new. You, your DNA changed. And the DNA that was placed on the inside of you is a DNA that doesn't quit. Even though hope is deferred. Even though things take a while. You know, we face a lot of giants in our lives, but I've found that the time giant is really the biggest one. Because before long, we talk ourselves into thinking that Something's wrong because it doesn't happen. Just because it doesn't happen in the time frame that you think it's supposed to happen doesn't mean that something's wrong. We, we, we compartmentalize our life. And, and when, when things happen in a way that hurt us, oftentimes we take those things and we, we put them off in a separate place, in this separate compartment. If I could put it in the <clears throat> terms of a house, I would say it like, 
you know, you have, you have your various rooms of your house that you live in, and, and we, we most of the time spend time in our living room, which is our personality, that part that's the most genuine part of us. Well, we're the easy and most relaxed. We liked being there because we like being around people who don't expect us to be something that we're not. And so we're most comfortable in that place where we're just ourselves. But then we have, you know, our finance room. And we don't visit that room all the time unless something goes wrong. And rarely do we go, oh, I better go check on things. No, when finances go wrong, it, you got to go in and it's like, what? what's going on? we got to fix this. Same way with our health room. You get a report from the doctor. If, no, if, if I'm not eating carbs and nobody's eating carbs, you know, I mean, everybody pays for whatever health, bad health choices you've made, then everybody else has got to pay for it. But we just visit these rooms. These aren't the rooms that we live in. But there is a room that I find that people build in their house, and I found that I'd done it myself, that I would call the impossible room. And it's, it's that place where those deferred hopes have been placed. And at some point, we've chalked it up to, well, I guess that wasn't God's plan. Or maybe that was just wishful thinking. Maybe that was just a childish fantasy. And you keep putting those things into that room. And before long, the dust of shame starts to build up on it and guilt. And it gets to the point where you won't even go down the hallway to that room anymore. Because it's just too much. It's too difficult to face those things because it's so frustrating and so disappointing. And the heart is so sick about those things. Whether it be for your life, whether it be for your kids, whether it be for your, for your marriage, whether it be for your future, those things get kind of locked away. And I remember one day I was, I was praying because, uh, you know, I thought that's what pastors were supposed to do. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I was just in such a frustrated place, I didn't enjoy praying. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I, I, I don't want, you know, look like the whole room's full of sinners. But I think we've all been at that place, and, and, and I was just frustrated. And I don't think God even enjoyed my prayer time. You know, I'm just like, okay. whenever I said amen, I think God went, finally, just stop, just stop talking. But I found myself in this, you know, place, and I'm praying for everything I think I'm supposed to pray for, you know, world peace or whatever. And, and, and it was like the Lord just interrupted and said, what do you want? It's almost like I could hear the frustration in his voice about the time I was wasting and so I gave him a real good spiritual answer. I want what you want. <laughs> and then I went back to praying, you know, free Tibet or whatever, you know. And, <clears throat> and he interrupted me again. What do you want? And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it wasn't spiritual enough. So I want what you want me to want. And then in just a flash, just in my mind's eye, it was as if the Lord reached down and grabbed me by the hand and walked me down that hallway to that room and said, what do you want from here? And I'll tell you, I wasn't happy about it. I wasn't happy about it. I, I just, just saw myself looking at this room with hopes and dreams that had not yet come to pass. And I was frustrated, very frustrated. 
And, and I just, again, all in my mind's eye, I didn't act this out, but just in my mind's eye, I just saw myself grab this thing that I had a desire for ministry. And I said, held it up to the Lord. I want this! This is what I want! I was so frustrated. And I don't know, I'm not encouraging anybody to be disrespectful to the Lord. I just found myself in a very frustrating place because things were not happening the way that I think they should. And things don't always happen within the time frame that we think they should. As a matter of fact, my wife and I, we, our church, we have two campuses, one in Lockhart, Texas, and one in South Austin. And our campus in South Austin, we meet in high school. This feels like home to me. Uh, we've been meeting in that high school for 15 years. So things don't always happen in the time frame that you think they're supposed to happen. But, but our responsibility is to not let the deferred hope make our heart sick. And I'd found that I had got to that place. And, and so after that, I just stopped praying. I, I mean, at that, that moment, I was done. I was so frustrated just in the whole process. And, and then I found that, you know, I kind of cooled off a little bit. And, you know, let go back to the Lord. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. And then, then I'm, I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad, <laughs> disappointed about all of this. And, and just through that, that time of spending with the Lord, just in a matter of, Weeks. It wasn't months. It wasn't years. Just in a matter of weeks, these things that I'd grabbed a hold of and said, "I want this," started to unfold. This is awesome. Come on. So good. Started to unfold. And so today, I just I encourage you, don't don't leave that room unbothered for too long, because it gets hard to dig it out from under that pile of shame and disappointment. You you got to go there and get that stuff fixed and put your dreams back before the Lord and say, this is, this is the desire of my heart. I don't care how long it takes. This is the desire of my heart and I'm not going to let go of it. Hope is a powerful thing. It has, it has pulling power on your life. The Bible says about faith, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the substance of things hoped for. Jeremiah 29, 11, I'm sure you guys probably know this verse of Scripture, but God says through the prophet Jeremiah, I have good thoughts about you so that you can have a future and so that you can have hope. God wants you to have hope, and he wants you to know that he's thinking good things about you so that you can think good things about you. But here's what's amazing about Jeremiah 29. If you just read that verse, it's awesome, yes? Yes? I know the thoughts that I think about you. Thoughts of peace and not evil so that you can have a future and you can have a hope. That's awesome. It's awesome. And I'm not taking anything away from it. I actually want to try to add something to your perspective of that picture, of that verse of Scripture. The children of Israel are in bondage. Famine is all around. And if you read the verses before it and after it, God is telling them, I don't care what situation you're in, you still belong to me, and your fields are still going to produce fruit, and your trees are still going to bear fruit, and your children are still going to blossom, and I think good things about you so that you can have a future and a hope. It doesn't matter what the surrounding is. You're, you have God on your side. You're with him, and he's with you. That makes all things possible. Amen. Amen. 19 years ago, July 10th, this past year, 19 years ago, my wife and I 
Well, my wife gave birth <laughs> to, to our second-born child, first-born son named Jonathan, who upon arrival immediately died. And that, to this day, has been very likely the most difficult thing that I have battled emotionally within myself. It's one of those things that when you, I know we've all, I'm not saying that I'm the only one who's ever experienced anything like this, but when we visit those things, I'm 19 years from it, and there's still parts of it that although I feel whole and complete inside, there's parts of it that I feel a longing. Right away, I didn't realize how badly I wanted a son until I had one and then didn't have him. And so our next child born was a boy, and it was like a miracle from heaven. He hasn't always acted like a miracle from heaven, but he was a miracle from heaven for us. But I found myself <clears throat> in, a, in a very interesting place because, because I wanted to be strong for my wife, and yet inside I was crumbling. Inside I felt like everything about my world was falling apart, and yet I tried to act like everything was still together. And... We were at the hospital, and my wife is sitting in the hospital room, and I just walked out into the hall, and I just sat down on the floor and started crying. And after a few minutes of that, I, I, I got up. Mainly I got up because I had a friend sitting with me by the name of Charlie Jones. And Charlie was sitting with me, and he came to the hospital, and he just sat. Can I just say something to you? If you have a friend that's going through something tough, you know, you don't have to have words. Just being there makes a difference. Yeah. And I don't remember one single thing that Charlie ever said to me through that whole process, but I just remember that he was there. Yeah. And when I couldn't get up off the floor, he grabbed me and stood me up. And so I wiped my face, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in and be strong for my wife. And I walk in, and my wife, who is a superhuman, the fact that she can even have babies... She's sitting in a chair, and she's got her hands raised like this. And she's singing a song that, that my brother wrote, actually. But the words are simply like this. Jesus, my Lord Jesus, my lips will always praise your name. And I thought, I'm not even a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking down in the hall, and she's worshiping, you know. And I'm like, I'm the one trying to be strong for her. <laughs> a few days went by, and we're, we're back at home, and, and I was still in this place, and, I, and I'm, just, I'm talking to the Lord like, Lord, that's awesome that she can do that, but I can't do that. And, and, I'm, and I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to be able to carry this kind of a load. And it was late one night. My wife had already gone to bed. And I was laying down in the living room, just laying flat out on my back. If you've, 
if you've lost someone close to you, you you'll understand when I say that 95% of the day you can be okay, but that 5% just absolutely brings you to your knees. And, and you can't stop it. It just comes on you like a flood. And I'm in that 5%, just laying on the floor, bawling my eyes out, asking God to help me. God, please help me. I don't know how I don't know how to get how to get past this. And I was reminded of a scripture from Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. Through the prophet Zechariah, God is prophesying to the people of Israel who are in a time of stress and pressure. In Zechariah 9 verse 12, God says through Zechariah, Return to your stronghold, speaking of himself. Return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. And I realized in that moment that I had allowed myself to become a prisoner of pain, of guilt, disappointment. And I'm laying there feeling like I'm a prisoner to the wrong things. I was a prisoner to fear. Do we even try to have more kids? I know it's too early, just days away to even think about stuff like that. But all that's going through my mind. Yeah. Is, this the end? is this the end of our multiplication? Is it just me and my wife and our wonderful daughter Morgan? Is that it? And this scripture came to my mind and I thought, all right. Now this I did act out because I had to. I was just in a, in a dark place in myself. And I got off the floor. The TV was here and the sofa's back here. And I got off the floor and I just stood in the middle of the room and just envisioned there was a prison cell behind me. And I turned around and I saw a prison cell with the word hope written above the door. I said, all right. And I just walked towards the couch closed the door, grabbed the key, threw it away. And I said, God, I will not be a prisoner to anything else. Today I choose to return to the stronghold, my stronghold, my strength. Today I choose to be a prisoner of hope. And I want to challenge you today. These are tough choices that we make at times. But I challenge you today. Be a prisoner of hope. Yes. So Don't be a prisoner of, of people's expectations. Right. Don't be a prisoner of disappointment. Don't allow yourself to be a prisoner of fear. Fear is one of those things that loves to grab a hold of us. But the Bible says 365 times in the Bible it says don't fear. There's a reason why it's 365. Because every day there's an opportunity to fear. Every day. But God has given us an answer for every single time. We can, you can walk out of all of that and today decide, I'm a prisoner of hope. I'm a prisoner of hope. I'm not going back. Come on, who's with me? I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Hope is... Always about our future. 
The Apostle Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, now abide three things. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I'll tell you why it is that way. I don't claim to be a Bible scholar, although my Bible trivia app game tells me that I am. Um, (laughs) Faith is for now, Hebrews 11 says. Now faith is. Faith is for right now. Hope is for future. But love is forever. When we get to heaven, we won't need faith. When we get to heaven, we won't need hope. But when 1 John chapter 4 says that God is love, if there's no love there, there's no heaven. Because that means God wouldn't be there. So love is forever. But hope is important because it's about our future. It's about your future. And I'm not talking about just tomorrow, although that includes tomorrow, tomorrow. I think it's a good thing to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. But hope is that thing that carries you through the disappointments that you have. Like I said, when you're in the darkest place, that's when hope has to be the loudest. But it becomes the loudest when it's coming out of your mouth. Hold fast to your confession of hope because he who promised is faithful. See, these are not promises that God made that he expects you to fulfill. These are promises that he made that he expects to fulfill. So we hold fast, hold fast, hold on. The Bible says if you, if you won't grow weary, if you just won't faint, due season is coming. Due season is And, you know, I read that scripture and I just thought, don't faint. I mean, I don't know if anybody in here faints regularly. I don't. I have before. It was weird. Doctors are supposed to help you make you pass out. I don't understand that. But that's the, stand, the standard for getting through these things is just don't faint. Yeah. Hold fast. Don't faint. Don't draw back. That's not you. Hold fast to your confession. Grab a hold of it. Hold fast. You, 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 you have to get really determined about it. You have to get so focused that nothing else matters. You, you, you have to hold on to hope. And, and to your future, you have to hold on to your future. And, the, and the, the blessing of your future, the health of your future, the prosperity of your future, you hold on to these things. Hold on tight and fight for them. You have to fight for this stuff. It's not just going to be handed to you because you, you're cute. And you're pretty cute, but it's not just going to be handed to you because of that. This is stuff you, he, he, he said, you hold fast. God's not going to hold fast the hope for you. You have to do this. You have to fight for it. You have to fight for it with your words. You have to fight. I heard a guy say it like this. You have to fight like you're the third monkey on the door to the ark and brother, it's starting to rain. (laughs) 
you got to you got to hold on to this. You got to go. I mean, people are going to have to get moved out of the way. I'm not, I'm not telling you to cut people off in your life, but there's a certain point where you have to put those voices aside and listen to your voice and declare hope out of your mouth. Keep saying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to turn around. Declare the word of God that says God makes all things work together for your good. The Bible says that God works these things. Stop trying to work it yourself. The Bible says that God works things together for your good. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God lifts when others are down. God gives a promise that says he would make you the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, first and not last, victors always and never the victims. These are promises from God, and he who promised is faithful. So we keep declaring, amen. Amen. At the Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.